First, we had the Big Show show. Now we're getting the Go Big Show. Next, we'll have the Go Home Big Show, followed by the Okay, That's Enough Big Show. This and more Big Show coming up on the Big Show podcast show. Okay, so at what point during those shows does the Please Retire Big Show show happen? I think at all these shows, fans show up, for the lack of a better term, and bring signs and chant those things no matter what. Yeah, that is true. WWE fans are the worst. (laughs) They really are. Aren't they? They really are. WWE's just the worst, if if we're being honest here. Um, all right. So we had, um, a takeover this past weekend. We did. Before you get into that, Mike, before you get into that, I just need to warn you about something. Okay. I want to talk for a million hours about several things that happened on takeover AEW last week and AEW this week. So if you don't watch it and you don't moderate me, we will have a three-hour podcast. So just keep that in mind when I go off on my tangents because they're going to be coming hot and heavy. Okay. Now you can talk again. Uh, I didn't watch TakeOver, so I'm going to lean on you for this. What? Yeah. Dude, you missed Matt. You missed the match of the year. I did? Yes. Kyle Finn O'Reilly, O'Reilly and Finn Baller? Oh my god! I want to talk about this match forever. Oh, uh, okay. I can't believe you talk you about did. it. I will. I'll have to go back and watch it. All right, dude. Here, then I'm gonna sell you this whole freaking thing. I mean, these are your yeah. boys too. What? You just yeah. too busy, kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I watched it. I watched it last night. I was watching Takeover until about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, in this match, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I, 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 I trust that you're going to go back and watch this. They effectively sold a kick to the stomach as a pseudo high spot at one point in this match. Finn Balor kicks Kyle O'Reilly in the stomach and he topples over in pain. Now, I don't know. He might have really caught him really hard, but they then sold that stomach and chest area the entire match. This was brutal. It was hard hitting. It was a fight. It was believable. Everything we loved about Baller and Timothy Thatcher from some weeks ago, it was this, but with a guy with more impactful offense and striking uh, with Kyle, o- Kyle O'Reilly. It was a star-making performance for him. These guys absolutely beat the piss out of each other. This was a professional wrestling match. They never... Never went outside the ring. The, never. At one point, they went to the apron. 
but they never went out to the to um at one point O'Reilly went out to the outside, but Finn stayed inside and O'Reilly was delivering offense while he was standing on the outside while Finn was on the inside or on the apron. They never really went, quote unquote, to the outside to do spots. We didn't uh, have that Finn like dive over the top rope that he nope. does also often. Not wow. once. No one went to the top rope. This was a 25 minute match. No one went to the top rope till about until we had about four minutes left in the match. And when they went to the top rope, it was uh, it was um, Kyle O'Reilly coming off with a strike, with a knee. It wasn't a big flippy anything going on. This was beautiful. This is everything I love about professional wrestling. It was perfect. It was a perfect professional wrestling match, even to the point that the finish that we got was Baller going over with the double stomp with the coup de gras. And it didn't, um, this is going to sound like an insult. It didn't really build to that moment into this huge crescendo, but it was just an effective finish when O'Reilly was just too spent to move out of the way. And it was just, it was a war of attrition that Baller finally won. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was insane. It was so good. No table spots, no chair spots, none of it. It was two guys that were masterful in the way that they put this match together that was believable in every step of the way. Well, I feel this like will be an asshole this for will, not having watched it now. <laughs> this will be the match that I put up for, you know, match match of the year across the board. It was wonderful. And it was a great star-making performance for Kyle O'Reilly. Baller looked great in defeat. Baller worked heel for large he portions worked, of this match. He didn't. He didn't look great in defeat. What's that? You said Balor looked great in defeat. Oh, I'm sorry. O- O'Reilly looked great O'Reilly in defeat. O'Reilly did. Okay. Yeah. Um, Balor worked heel uh, as this match progressed. It started off as they were kind of, you know, respectful, but Balor got vicious I and started that. working when, heel. When that changes during the match, whether planned or the guys just picking up on the way that the crowd is going and deciding to call it in the ring as like, all right, this is we're changing this now. I'm I'm gonna well, play heel. I, I'm not sure if that was it wasn't the the plan all along, but O'Reilly sold like a baby face. He believably sold pain throughout the entire thing. Uh, Finn sold I mean, exasperation, but at the same time it, didn't do that whole. Oh my god, I can't believe he kicked out face. What everybody does. It, it was just great. It had man. to have been planned. You have a you have a planted crowd. The one the crowd is all planted. So, oh yeah, yeah. Like, th- like I I've heard of a few times where guys change during a match based off of the crowd, and they communicate this between themselves. But like, I do dig when that it gets planned sometimes too, and I like that is seeing a guy's demeanor or even a team's demeanor change during the course of a match because things don't go their way. And you see a flip-flop in who is really kind of being the face and the heel in the things. Yeah, this was just masterfully done, man. I mean, I just, I love this. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly looked great. It was, like I said, a star-making performance. He lost, and he's a star to me. And at the end of it, Baller and him shake hands. So there shows a show of respect there. It, uh, once again, it is everything I love about pro wrestling. 
And what they did with with just wrestling, with none of the extra bullshit, none of the outside stuff, none of the table spots, none of the chair spots, none of the crazy. I mean, these are both athletic guys. Like you mentioned, Baller does the dive onto the floor in every match. He didn't do it. They stayed in the ring. They wrestled. Mm-hmm. They had belie- a believable fight. Great mat wrestling. Incredible striking. The, apparently both guys got injured off of it. I'm not saying that, you oh, know. Oh, really? Yeah, basically both guys are hurt. I don't know if they're serious injury, but they beat the shit out of each other, man. And I don't I don't necessarily love that. Like, I, I mean, I know guys got to work snug to make things look believable. And I'm not never an advocate for people hurting each other. Uh, but these guys just did it. I have so much more. I mean, I've always liked Finn Balor. This shows me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's one of the best workers in the fucking business, and that Kyle Kyle O'Reilly has tons of potential as a singles. The the one of the biggest things that I've noticed since we've started wa- rewatching uh, NXT again is Balor's game has changed considerably. I I feel like since we've we've seen him on TV, he has become a lot more of a scientific wrestler. And if, if there's one thing that anyone should ever take away from this podcast and what I like in wrestling, it is those guys, the, the wrestlers wrestlers. Um, and just seeing him be able to do holds and transitions and sell and all of that, like, I knew that he was a good worker and I feel like in his off time, he just decided I'm going to go more towards this style a little bit. Still going to keep a lot of my, my big moves, but damn, is he good at it? And I, I love, I love this Finn Balor that I've been seeing for the last few months. So I'm talking this match up. Maybe you'll end up watching it and not seeing it in the way that I have, but it was just, it meant I love knowing that this can happen, that they can put on this kind of presentation. We can see this. I, I thought that the Keith Lee match with Carrion uh, Cross uh, in the last takeover was very good, and didn't didn't need to do a bunch of extra stuff. They told a story. They could tell a story in a professional wrestling match, and it's uh, when they're good at it. When the people are talented, you can get me to buy in. And then eventually do some big, crazy high spot as an injury angle or as something to, to really raise the stakes. And it means something. But you don't need—it's a crutch. AEW, every match is a crutch they have to lean on. A lot of AEW, it's a crutch. They have to do a table spot. They have to do an uh, a apron bump because they're not that great at matches. So they got to yeah. do this to make it special and by doing it all the time it makes none of it special and it just reiterates it and just distills it down to the what pro wrestling is for me and what i like seeing in the year 2020 uh i'm gonna give you a couple little takes on this stuff since you didn't watch it uh and this is a this is a perfect example here uh isaiah swerve scott i did not do the swerve scott meter because i was doing other stuff and it was one o'clock in the morning when i was watching it so i didn't do that but needless to say they said Isaiah Swerve Scott way more than they needed to. Uh, Swerve <laughs> apparently was the first person to ever kick out of Santos Escobar's finish. And he still lost the match. So why'd you have him do it? 
dumb. Don't don't have him do a finisher kick out if you're in a situation where the guy's not going to come back and win. It's going to mean something. It's just really stupid. Um, I didn't care for that at all. Uh, some some guy I've never seen before came out to help Isaiah Swerve Scott. That's probably a problem when there's some dude that I that's probably been on one episode of NXT uh, to come out and do that. I, I hate when they do that kind of stuff. And a big thread because you know now they're at the Capitol Wrestling Center. This is the new thing that they've got. So they've got yeah. the Thunderdome with all the fans and piped in crowd noise, which was so distracting during this match. It was ridiculous how loud they were making the crowd during this match. And it was just distracting. This one in particular? This one in particular stood out to me. All through the night, a, a, a pleasant hum in the background, I think, added atmosphere. But when they tried to sync it up with the match, it was just ludicrous, is the best way to describe it. Um, loved Kushida. His ground game, his viciousness against Velveteen Dream was incredible. I can't help but think Kushida would not be better served in the cruiserweight division. He's a small guy. He was, a, I guess, a junior heavyweight champion in yeah. Japan. Uh, he, Him against Santos Escobar? Him against Isaiah Swerve Scott, him in that division could be incredible. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily buy him against guys bigger than him, but he's doing a good job as a as a submission artist. Interesting submissions, viciousness, attacking uh, Velveteen Dream. I liked all of it, but w- if you watch this match, the finish was garbage. They had Kushida take. Dream's finisher, completely no-sell it, and grab a submission hold. He took It wasn't like Dream's a death... reversal. He no, took he it. took it. He took the Death Valley driver, Dream Valley driver, whatever he calls it, and immediately grabbed the forearm or the wrist to do a uh, his finisher, which is hoverboard lock or whatever he calls it, I think. Mm-hmm. Immediately completely no sold it and then mike you would say i know what you're thinking right now it's fighting spirit and he just grabbed it out of instinct and then he probably sold it after the after dream tapped out nope jumped right up fresh as a daisy didn't hold the back of his head didn't sell it in any way shape or form and then proceeded to beat the shit out of elvatine dream for another four minutes (laughs) until they finally pulled him off of him I could not believe it. Whoever okayed that finish should be fired. It yeah, was, uh, it, you're, it at least based off of the description, both. you're not going to get that the fighting spirit thing out of me. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm saying I, I know what you wanted to. You, you probably were thinking, oh, you know, he just grabbed it and he was just, you know, out of instinct. They didn't do that at all. It killed them both dead. It killed the match, which was okay. It was okay. It was good. I liked Kushida. I like him more and more when I see him wrestle, but it killed it for me when I saw that finish. Yeah. What about the women's uh, title match? Not a lot to say. It was a match. They're both talented. They both can do cool wrestling moves, but I had no interest in this match going in. I really, really don't care about either one of them for the most part. Uh, Io Shirai is very athletic and very talented. But I'm not invested in her in any way, shape, or form. So it was just kind of there. 
It, it wasn't. It was competent. It was well wrestled, and they deserve credit for that. But it did no no way grabbed me. I didn't. Even, I did not even make a note about it. Uh, what and about Priest and, Gar- uh, Priest and what Gargano? About Ember Moon coming back as the the mystery motorcyclist. I didn't see it. You didn't see that? No. A- I, I, I read Moon. about it. Yeah, I read about it, but I didn't see it. Oh, okay. I I, I must have fast forwarded through it because yeah, I fast forwarded through parts. Of I that think match. it was after that match. Yeah. Oh, so I fat. You know what? I knew about it, and I didn't even register that I had missed it. <laughs> uh, Ember Moon coming back. By the way, I like Ember Moon. Yeah, I think, I, I think Ember, that, Ember that's good for her. I was thinking about this while I was watching AEW and the Serena Deeb versus Big Swole redundant match, uh, thinking, I think there are 25 to 30 women in professional wrestling that I can mention that should be headlining AEW that are not. And one of the first person I think about was Ember Moon. If Ember Moon was on AEW TV, she'd be the best wrestler on that entire program. And then down the road with all the women that are on AEW or on, uh, on NXT and some women that are on AEW that should be headlining the show, uh, like Nyla Rose, uh, that are not. But yeah, yeah it's that, funny. That I read division, about that and didn't, didn't even register to me. That division in AEW, like WWE practically has a monopoly on like women's wrestling in America uh, with all of the talent that they have that can't get used because of how much they have and AEW could be uh, just like taken up a ton of notches by just having two or three of them well we'll get to talk about that no screw it but this is an unconventional show Serena Deeb Britt Baker not incredible in the ring but a great character Nyla Rose yeah, Hikaru Shida should be an ancillary piece, should not be the ace of your division. I no. like Shida's work, but uh, personality-wise, she doesn't sell it. She's a really good, like, top-of-the-second-tier person uh, to put on solid matches. Uh, I'd put with Statlander the there, too, when she's uh, healthy. Yeah, Statlander, when she's healthy and she can travel or whatever else is going on with her, uh, definitely up there. Thunder Rosa. Uh, if, yeah. if they can, if they can, if she's whatever's going on with the NWA right now, there's people there. There's bodies. There's people that can work, and they're just not featuring them. They're featuring people that are kind of not the best, unfortunately. But yeah, so that was my my kind of critique of the NXT uh, match there for the women's championship. Priest and Gargano. Um, Damian Priest is a star, man. The guy's yeah. really good. He sells everything really well uh i heard i've heard the term before they sell but they don't die and i and i think i kind of conceptualized it in my head and i'm not sure if it was jim ross or Cornette or bruce pritchard or somebody on a podcast that i listen to that makes that makes that phrase and uses it and i thought i knew what that means but when i watch damian priest that's what i see is that he sells realistically on his face that he's experiencing pain but he never dies he never face plants into the mat and you think he can't come back he sells in a way that i feel like he's gaining strength and going to come back from something and i I really liked his work in this match i thought it was really really good uh 
It was a little long because every takeover match has to be 20, 25 minutes, but that's just the way it is. They have to do a little bit too much. Uh, and Priest made a good job of making it look like a fight. The one thing that comes out of this, and I mentioned this about the, the main event match and the apron bumps, they did an apron bump. It was a safe one for the most part. It wasn't ridiculous. It wasn't freaking uh, Shotzi Blackheart. But they did an apron bump that didn't lead to the finish. If they would, if NXT or AEW would just make a rule with their wrestlers, don't do this kind of thing until we tell you to. Because if you could use apron bumps as injury angles or to heighten really, really vicious feuds, you'd have somewhere to go. When you use them as transitional moves and then you want to use them later on to sell something as special, they're not special anymore. It's the old ECW argument, right? Where do you go from here? You're beating people bloody to pulp with tables and chairs and barbed wire and exploding things. Well, where do you go? You got nowhere to go because we've already seen it. And AEW, which normally is a little more restrained and puts on really good shows and they have a lot of talented people, they do stuff like that. And I'm like, it wasn't necessary. That apron, it was basically like a razor's edge on the apron. It added nothing to the match. We knew Johnny Gargano was going to kick out and he did. So why do it? Yeah. Save that, reserve it for something of KO. Remember when KO powerbomb Sami Zayn onto the I was, apron? I was waiting for you to take a pause so I could say, remember when KO killed people on the apron? It mattered. It mattered. <laughs> it sold a feud and we were we cared about it more after it was done. Now they just do it as a transition spot. And, yeah. and uh, grandpa, you know, this is the fast paced thing. No. In the main event, they didn't do any of that crap, and it was the best match on the freaking card, if not the match of the year. If Priest and Gargano, both talented guys, would have fucking toned it down, cut four minutes out of the match, and not done as much of that stuff, it still would have been a great match. And then you'd have something in your back pocket for the return. And you can use an injury angle, and you can do something special. Um, so that was my NXT critique. It was a good show. Okay. There, there, there was I, good action. Always good action. Some of it meaningless. Some of it stuff that I don't, I'm never going to remember again, but it was good action. And then you have the high spots of the main event and the North American, American Championship match was good too. Well, apparently not that many high spots of the main event. That's what I love yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you said that you also had some things to say about last week's AEW. Did you watch this? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I have a couple things to say here and then I'll just use, I'll talk about anyway. I feel like this is the Kevin Abbott show right now. Um, <laughs> Everybody. Welcome. We had a, Cody Rhodes came back, cut a promo, yeah. and talked about the dog collar match that they were going to have on this week's version of AEW. It was a good promo. Cody is a great speaker. He has a way. I watch Cody, and I believe in my heart that he probably wrote every one of these words down beforehand and recited them. Because it's very elaborate in his speech patterns and things. But he's so convincing that I just buy it. 
I just like listening to him talk. Even when I think it's a little bit contrived and a little overly verbose, I just like Cody Rhodes. I just like the dude. There's just a genuineness to him that I really appreciate. So I, I dug it. It devolved into a brawl that, remember the brawl between, I think it was Roman and uh, Brock Lesnar that took up like 45 minutes of TV time where they kept like breaking away yeah. and getting back at each other. They did that. So that sucked. And then at one point, I shit you not, Brandy Rhodes came out, went to the top rope and did a somersault dive onto like the entire Dark Order, Sans, uh, Brody Lee. She did a, a high spot in a brawl where... I'm going to say uh, she's about 115 pounds, maybe, maybe 105. She dove onto six or seven people in a contrived, stupid catch me spot and took them all out because Brandy Rose is a badass. I, I, there are things that Brandy does and she hasn't been on TV a lot recently where you go, if that was Stephanie McMahon doing that, she would be raked over the coals for ever about stealing the yeah. spotlight that was ludicrous it was just embarrassing another version whoever approved that should be chastised forever it was just embarrassing uh the other big thing for me was there was a world title match between the butcher and john moxley because Moxley issued an open challenge. He said Eddie Kingston. Yeah. He said Eddie Kingston. I didn't even know about this. Yeah. I thought I Eddie read Kingston, the results. Yeah. You pick my challenger because of whatever happened the week before. And I will tell you this. I don't care so much for Eddie Kingston as a wrestler. I think he looks like my dad wrestling. His match with Moxley was bet. He is bet for a guy who looks like my uncle Rick. He looks like your uncle. He's, he looks like your dad. He looks, yeah, he like, looks like a guy who did, he, who did some electrical work in your house. Yes, he looks like all that. He's he's a, he's better than he has any right to be because I, I think he's a good wrestler. I just I, I look at him and I don't see it. I don't believe it. He's winning me over on his promos big time. He's a very good promo. And the, as a leader of a faction... If there weren't 47 factions in AEW, I might think this guy's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. So Eddie Kingston cuts a promo and does all this stuff, which is very good. And we get Moxley versus The Butcher. What is this obsession with AEW and having your number one top talents go 20 minutes with job guys? With nobodies. The Butcher, if you ran down his AEW career, what, one one match as a tag team? Maybe two? I guess. I've never seen what, him in a singles. What do you mean by one, two match? Like, I'm saying, that you can remember? The, like how, as, many, how many matches has the Butcher and the Blade won that you've oh, seen in television? Oh, oh okay. Uh, yeah, not that many. One or two? Yeah. On TV? Has he ever even been in a singles match? I can't remember I seeing so. one. But he went 20 minutes with John Moxley for the world championship. No cheating to get an edge. And then he and then Moxley kind of recovers, gets his feet underneath him and puts the guy away easily. No, 
toe-to-toe, tit-for-tat, John Moxley, the number one guy in the company, has to go 50-50 with an... I, I, I want to like, like the guy. He has a good look. With a nobody. With somebody that should be jobbing to him in four minutes. Conservatively. And they put him through the ringer. He's not even a singles guy. I, I, and, and by the way, barely able to work. He's not very good. There were multiple... He tried to do a stretch muffler submission and eventually just gave up because he couldn't get Moxley's leg over his head. He was blown up halfway through the match, was barely moving around the ring. Uh, it was just out of place. It didn't work. Why would you book this? At some point, you have to create stars. Having John Moxley, a guy who I'm hot or cold on him when it comes to his matches, but he's a star. But Go yeah, out there. He should he should be your one A and one B with Chris Jericho in this company because they had the most the biggest outside names uh, from previous work. And yet they let him go out there and they expose him and they show that he's nobody. So if Lance Archer next week or the week after, whenever it is, goes and has, goes 20 minutes with John Moxley, it's not special. Everyone goes 20 minutes with John Moxley. Not everything has to be a competitive match. Not everything has to be an all-out squash. I was fine with the, with the Moxley-Kingston stuff on some level the week before. I could have believed parts of it. It still went too long. But it, at this point, if you pulled the guy out of Section 4 selling hot dogs, I know they're not doing that right now because of COVID, but just go with my analogy. And you pull that guy out of the stands, he'd go 20 minutes with John Moxley. That's the story you're telling yeah. me. And it was, and, and the entire story was, the uh, it, it goes to every show. This week we had that with FTR going long stretches with nobodies, with people that are never even on the show. It drives me insane. They, everyone is equal. And because everyone is equal, no one matters. FTR, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, MJF can't get anyone over if they're not better than some people. Just being on television does not make you over. Just being on TV doesn't isn't a push. There's got to be a hierarchy. Some people have to beat these people in a certain amount of time. And then when someone when someone goes 20, 30 minutes with uh when someone goes perfect example, Kyle O'Reilly is a tag team wrestler that we have never seen compete one-on-one in NXT. We have the history of them talking about Ring of Honor and places he's worked before. And when he went 25 minutes with Finn Balor, it was a star-making performance. And AEW, you're never going to get that. Because yeah. everyone goes 20 minutes with your champion. So you're never going to make a star. Now yeah. we're going to get into stuff you've actually seen. Okay. Um, yeah, for this week's Dynamite. The 30th anniversary of Jericho was the... The thing of the night. We had celebrities, people who aren't celebrities. Jericho's dad, 
uh, other wrestlers, like all giving congratulations to Jericho throughout the night. You made a brilliant point uh, in our text messages that Jericho should have come out and been like, screw all of you people who are giving me congratulations. I'm better than all of you. I don't need your congratulations. Because he's a heel. Yeah. He's a heel. You're supposed to get booed. And when you have a bunch of baby faces, Scorpio Sky, Darby Allen coming out saying, how great Chris Jericho. Well, that guy's one swell guy. I liked, I liked watching him wrestle, and he's really cool. You know what? You should sing his theme song when we come out, too, because... We don't we we don't want him to be booed and be a dastardly heel that we want to see someone beat and get over and become more special. We just want to put smiles on faces. That's what that told me. And if Jericho yeah. would have came out and said, you know what, Darby Allen, Scorpio Sky, I don't give a shit about what you think about me. Oh, I was your hero and you love to look up to me and watch me do this, that and the other. Well, you know what? I don't care about you. I didn't do it for you. I did it for me. I'm Chris Jericho. You could have taken that stupid concept you had and turned it on its own head. You could have told me, oh, uh, you know, uh, Slash from Guns N' Roses. If I wanted to play guitar, I'd play guitar better than you. I'm the lead singer. You're a lead guitar player. Who's the more important person? You could have cut a promo on every one of those people instead of having them fight fucking Luther. Of of all of those people that had those little talking head segments— the only one like Gene Simmons cut a promo on Jericho. Yeah. And that's the promo that Jericho should have cut on all of the rest of them. Like Simmons cut him down while also it was a backhanded compliment. And I was like, and I hate Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah, He's like, a terrible person. Yeah, He is a terrible person. Uh, but I was like, Oh, but he just cut a good heel promo on on Jericho. That that was WWE one one oh one. They're milking yeah. the crowd, trying to do nostalgia stuff. They could have used it for an angle. The inner circle sucks. They sucked for a long time. They went from a badass group with a couple people with a lot of long term potential and turned them into comedy sidekick bullshit. They could have used this to reinsert Chris Jericho as a badass and someone that we're supposed to hate and they just did nonsense they just did something that won't matter and won't resonate if Chris Jericho went out instead of that stupid tag match which meant nothing to anyone ever they could have had him come out and cut a 10 minute promo on every single person that said a word about him and it would have been memorable and it could have set up an angle so here's the thing. I, I, I texted you about it while we were watching. There is the, the anniversary match is a thing in Japan. Are we in Japan? And no. I just want to make sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so they were going for that here. And so a lot of times with wrestlers and their anniversary matches in Japan, they have no bearing on current storyline. They don't create storyline around it. It's more of just that wrestler uh, selects like a person that they want to fight. A lot of times it is a tag team match. 
uh, with someone who they are currently affiliated with taking on a real life friend or a someone from their past or someone that they really want to like work with just at least in a match and like it's my understanding that Jericho and Luther have a, a, a long history together personally. At Jericho helped get Luther the job in AEW. So this was kind of that. It, that it's all mistake. thrown it's thrown together uh just for the sake of of that. But the announcers they they tried to explain the connection between Jericho and Luther, and I give them credit for that, but they should have also explained the anniversary match traditions in how they're usually picked by the anniversary wrestler uh, as a way, like the history behind that to make it not seem as thrown together as it was. They can explain it away a little more. You tell the whole story between the two of them and you're like, okay, cool. But then how did it rekindle? Well, it rekindled because Jericho said, this is my anniversary. I want to have a match against Luther. And so Luther, bring your tag team partner. I'm going to bring Hager. That's the that's how it all came about. Say that that's that the anniversary guy gets to pick his match. And and I feel like it becomes a little bit better. Does that make does that mean that this match deserved to be the main event? No. Most of these anniversary matches usually do not because they are usually pretty poor. And this match proved that because Luther just showed, like, no offense to the dude. He can't really go. Uh, Tons of offense to Luther. <laughs> I hope I never see him wrestle again. It was embarrassing. He casually jogged. When they when he ran the ropes, he threw a feather clothesline. He almost fell off the top rope. He did fall off the apron. Yeah, he bare. He looked like he was he was completely blown up, and did not know how to per, be a professional wrestler. Now, because of our association, we know each other. You have told me that Luther is a big deal in Japan and death matches and all this kind of stuff. I assume he's an older person, an yes. older gentleman in the industry. Yeah. At some point, you should not put a person like that in the main event or on television at all. This person does not belong in that slot. Uh, I'm trying to think of a retired wrestler that I really, really respect at this point, and everyone I'm thinking about is, unfortunately, has passed away. But Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Now, I'll put nothing past a guy because of what he did with Chris Jericho and all that stuff about 10 years ago. But Ricky the Dragon Steamboat probably should not go out and be the main event of a of an AEW or a WWE show right now. Doesn't take anything away from what he did in the past. That was atrocious. There's a reason why he is never on AEW Dynamite. There's a reason why he's in a job tag team with another tiny dude in a mask who no one knows and no one cares about. And that was the main event of your show. 
And listen, if they would have done all the things you talked about, explaining things and really trying to give me some reason why this was happening, you're right. It would have been better. It still would have been a poor move. And yeah. I, I was because- I was pining for a stupid celebration of Chris Jericho standing in the ring with bottles of his champagne. And those suck. But I was pining for it <laughs> watching this match. And by and- the way, and by the way, 50-50 match. Yeah. No one's a star. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager are Serpentico and Luther. Toe-to-toe with Jake Hager and Chris Jericho. Just as big as stars. Just as good. Basically, match could have gone either way. But luckily, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager pulled it out. (laughs) JR himself quoted uh, as saying... Jericho's been getting his ass kicked in this match. (laughs) But, and that too is another poor decision for most of these anniversary matches is they tend to be the main event of the show. And I just think that that's such a downer a lot of times for, I mean, sure. You didn't have a, well, you did have a live crowd. Sorry. So I, I feel like that's kind of a downer, but they, they look like they were having this big old celebration thing and lots of people just love that bullshit. Um, anyway, so they probably sent the crowd home happy, at least in that sense. But uh, yeah, uh, when you had a match that had so much blood like Cody and Brody, not as the main event is is a little sad. And Another, now let's talk about this match. Hold on, just real quickly. Okay. Why have this main event the show? Have Chris Jericho come out at the nine o'clock spot where Cody was and get pissed off. Okay, I'm rebooking this whole thing. This match doesn't happen because it's garbage and makes no sense. Chris Jericho comes out and says, this is my celebration. He cuts a promo on everyone that he has something interesting to say that cut a promo on him, not on him, but for him earlier on the show. He cuts a promo on them. He runs everybody down. He runs everyone down in the crowd and says, none of you even deserve me here. But then he's pissed off because he's not even the main event. I've been in this business for 30 years. I was the first AEW champion. And I'm not even the main event of this this episode of Dynamite for Cody Rhodes and freaking... Uh, why am I blanking Brody on his name? Lee. Thank you, Brody Lee. That's an angle. That's something you can set up for the future. It shows that they Chris Jericho's a petty... They could have even done the MJF thing. Yeah, you could have done all that. It could have been a petty thing. It would have been so much better to end on the Cody thing. Yeah. Even though I did not love this match. Go on. So, why match, Why am I better at booking this show than them? That's what bothers me. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out someday. <laughs> uh, but... So this match, I really wanted to be invested in it. Me too. But I wasn't enough. I wasn't either. Like, because here's the thing. I, li- I like Cody a lot. I, I like Brody Lee as a wrestler. His character, not so much. I really, I liked Luke Harper a lot. I don't care for Brody Lee. But you, you like the human being... Who work? Who is a worker? As him, I like him less because of this character, probably. 
I have I my interest in Brody Lee went from very high when he came in, very low over the next month or so, and it's slowly been creeping up. Okay. Because I think they've done they've done him better in the way they've promoted him. He's not talking as much. So I'm actually on the upswing on Brody Lee, even okay. though I still hate the Dark Order and find them to be a garbage faction. All right. So at the heart of these two guys, I see two old schoolish workers because Harper, Lee, whatever you want to call him, has always had those comparisons to Bruiser Brody. And I think that he some of those are warranted, but he's also highly more athletic than Bruiser Brody ever was. Cody Rhodes has a lot of stuff based in old school wrestling. He still brings out some flashy stuff here and there. So to bring a very old school gimmick match like a dog collar match in between those two could be great should be awesome because like we should get some really good storytelling between them but the fact that cody just came back two weeks ago he made this match a week ago and now here we are with it just is is beyond rushed it doesn't just sound like rushed it is rushed and it's not only rushed but it also doesn't make any sense when Cody came back he and want to try to win on his own first, but not, not lose. only that, but I, I'm talking, I'm talking more basic. Cody came back, attacked Brody Lee within moments. They had a dog collar for some reason and were holding it up and challenging Cody Rhodes to a match. Were they oh, planning I on about this? That, yeah. Would, did, does, does, does Brody Lee just walk around with a dog collar? Just in case the situation arises, was there anything that made them have to be tethered together to settle this score? It made no narrative sense. It was just booked because of what you mentioned. Because it's old school. Because it hasn't been done in a long time. Because of Valentine and Piper. That's why they booked it, not because it made narrative sense within the storyline. And they could have gotten there because there's real issues. They did the right thing. They did the stretcher job. They did everything you need to do to build animosity. They did it well. They could have had Cody come back and they could have had him say, are you going to get in the ring with Brody, Brody Lee? And he could have said, nobody at ringside, you and I and a dog collar match. You know, we, I, I want to be able to get my hands on you. Something could have been made around this, but it was so contrived that it made it hard to get invested. But I still, because of the same things you said, was invested enough to just put everything down when, I, when this match was on and just focus on it. And then and I th- what happened? The execution wasn't great. I thought that there were some good spots. And there were some yeah. good moments, but as a whole, the match didn't flow very well for me. The pacing and, sucked. Yeah. That, that's, that's the accurate way to put that. I'm sorry. The pacing was terrible in this match. Cody was bleeding within two minutes or four minutes of the match. For, you on think something he's Brock Lesnar. 
He was bleeding immediately. What was all this stuff with the guys on the outside and Dark Order member number 14, who no one cares about, getting juice immediately? And then having this chair spot and Anna Jay comes down and Arn Anderson's involved. I texted you this. They've got gimmicks around their fucking necks. Yeah. And that's not enough for the match? They've got every match has to have 47 people with outside interference. They had to bring a table to ringside. They had to throw chairs in the ring. They got gimmicks around their necks, man. They could make that work. I believe in them. And that's when I I sent you that text message. Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Baller, dog collar match. I guarantee you those guys don't need that. They don't need the crutch of the table. They can throw someone into a table, but they're going to bring them to the table. They'll drag them to the table. They don't have to be a furniture rearranger. They don't have to be an interior decorator. I'm tired of interior decorator wrestlers. If someone has a time to set up a table five feet away from where the table was, well, then we know that's a stupid spot that you're going to work to. So stop it. Yeah. And, and to bring up your point of the gimmick is around their neck and they're connected by it. Like the finish of the match, I really enjoyed with Cody wrapping the chain around Brody's face three times, pulling at it. Uh, before hitting the crossroads because and and it would have been even better if they utilized just that thing more and because then it just shows the brutality of that object that has been in the match the entire time with them they did not trust in the crowd and i'm talking about the tv crowd and they did not trust in themselves in, and I keep I keep going back to this with Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. The first five minutes of that match was spent on the mat, man. They were building interest. They were building to something bigger. They were fighting. They were they were jockeying for 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 position. They were working. And when it's in the middle of it, it probably sucks because it feels like we should be doing something more to get everyone excited. But it pays off in the end. The hard work and the gritty shit pays off in the end. And too often, AEW, it's like candy. You need to feed somebody something because it's been so long since a shiny thing uh, flashed in my eyes. I believe in Cody. I think Brody, even with the gimmick and all that stuff, can do this. Trust us as the fans. We'll reward you with being invested in your angle. And you'll be more over at the end of the day. And that was the problem with this match. They had to, they immediately did the outside thing with job dark order guy number one. Why? For what reason? What did it accomplish? Nothing. If they would have just, I would have been more excited if they would have spent the first minute and a half just jockeying for position with the chain. You could have had, had Brody have Cody in a headlock with one arm trying to then use the chain with his other hand while Cody uses his hand to stop him. Yeah. And there, like, there's, there's just so jockeying much, for the position. Yeah. So like much, you said. There's so much they could have done and I believe they can do it. They just, 
They refuse to, they don't respect the audience. They don't think the audience wants to see that. And maybe they don't. Maybe we're completely in the minority. But I believe this. If you were to show that match with all its brutality and blood and all the gimmicks that were thrown around there, and you would show that match versus O'Reilly and Fish, not Fish, O'Reilly and Finn. Uh, and Finn, if you were to show that match side by side to casual wrestling fans, they will gravitate towards that NXT match because it was believable, because it felt real, because they toyed with your emotions. Cody Rhodes can do that. He's done it in the past. But they're just yeah. relying on he, tropes that are not necessary. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, we we talked uh, a little bit about Serena Deeb, uh, FTR, their, their, their matches. The, the FTR match, as you said, was... Uh, an over like an overextended match didn't need to be that long against a team that is not on TV often. I, I thought you were and not I thought, winning on TV. I thought you might defend this a little bit because I know you. Do you like these guys, the hybrid two or whatever they are? I know you. Uh, I so I am not super familiar with them as a team, uh, because I've never been one for watching triple uh, a uh, Mexican uh, wrestling. I know of Jack Evans from his time in ring of honor way back in the like two thousands. And he's pretty much the same. Uh, Multiple acrobatic guy spots, who's man, who is a little sloppy uh, and he had a lot of sloppy spots and that was a shame. Like I kind of dig and Helico, like he's a big dude, but is agile, and I love the submission work that that he he applies, and I think that there's something in him. But I'm not I'm not a big Jack Evans fan. Uh, I I've never really been, and just seeing him uh, in the spots that I have in AEW, it seems like he's still the same old Jack. Uh, that I've I've always seen he can he can pop out something like stupid crazy that you've never seen before but then can also be kind of sloppy and and like that the week before FTR went with a ultra competitive match with SCU the first ever tag team champions of AEW two guys that can fucking go hi really like Kazarian. I really like Scorpio Sky. That made sense. The next week, they have the same competitive match with two guys who most people that even watch AEW probably didn't know their names when they came out. Yeah. So, why? Who? Who's special? FTR was brought down a notch by having... SCU by proxy looked worse. Because if SCU, oh my god, they almost beat the champs. Oh, wait a minute. Anyone can almost beat the champs. Now the hot dog guy and the soda guy could get together as a tag team <laughs> and they could fight the tag champs and go 20 minutes and almost beat them. So I heard, you, I heard they have a winning streak going on Dark right on dark. now. On Dark. Yeah, on Dark. They, yeah, they beat Luther and Serpentico. <laughs> uh, 
it's it's embarrassing that you would have the, this match go as long as it did for the tag division for this episode of AEW. And by the way, I love FTR, but they work down to their competition. When they stood there holding Angelico for, it felt like seven minutes. I know it was probably four seconds waiting for the other dude to do a flip off the ring to take them both out. I was like, guys, you're better than this. Yeah. This is terrible. It's embarrassing to watch this happen. Um, F minus for the tag division this week. You've got FTR looking like nobodies, just guys, just other guys in the division that aren't special. Uh, you've got, uh, we had best friends come out and do WWE level comedy, uh, JBL is poopy stuff. And none of, no one gets over. No one's more important. Everyone's the same. And it's embarrassingly written. And, and, and by the way, the bad comics that FTR called backyard comedy wrestlers, not all that wrong. They got over on FTR and made them run away. Who yeah. wins there? And here's the here's I I've made no bones about the fact that I am a Chuck Taylor fan. I like him as a comedy wrestler. Uh, like when he is a serious wrestler, hmm, not so much. And seeing him cut a quasi serious promo or at least part of a promo give makes me cringe a little bit because I'm like, eh, dude, like you're a funny guy. Like, I, I want to see you in funny spots and I I don't I I'm starting to be like all right this I feel like best friends has kind of run their course and we should maybe have a breakup angle with them wow and let let Trent do his thing because Trent Trent is the more impressive guy of the of the team I'll I'll certainly say that. And he deserves a little singles run, maybe for for like the secondary title. But and like I I say this with all sincerity, I love Chuck Taylor, but it best friends is probably about time. I am so shocked to hear you say that. And and by the way, you may be shocked to hear me say this after the parking lot brawl. Um. Uh, I didn't. I, there's parts of that match I did not love, and we talked about this. So it was like well, I can't remember two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Yeah. But I respected it. I thought it was really well done for that kind of a match, and I was ready for these guys to come out of it less comedic. I don't believe yeah. Chuck Taylor standing toe to toe with anyone on the AEW roster because he looks like my uncle. I've got a lot of uncles and a lot of <laughs> people. You have a lot of uncles that look like wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the problem. I have a lot of uncles that look like wrestlers in AEW. But I was ready for them to be less comedy and maybe be taken a little bit more seriously. And calling people weenies and putting up graphics on the TV, that's, that's, that is that's is bad John Cena. The worst John Cena jokes. It is 
I cannot believe someone would not go, hey guys, aren't we doing the thing that everyone who's a professional wrestling fan is embarrassed about right now? And then they do it. And the tag team division is in shambles right now. FTR is great. And when they wrestle a good tag team, they're amazing. But they they play down to their opponents. They do too much of the bullshit stuff. And if Chuck Taylor and Trent were to do this thing seriously, I believe Trent. I think they could work a good program. But this ain't the way to do it. F minus worst the tag team division took a huge step backwards this week. And then the <laughs> not even counting the main event, which was a garbage tag team match with Luther and Serpentico. I, I'll never get over that. They should never be on television again. Yeah. I, I have a question for you. Okay. There's a tournament coming up that they're going to have. We got a Kenny Omega promo. What did you think about that promo, Mike? Did you watch it? Yeah. What'd you um, think? If it's meant to be a heel promo for him, then I think kudos because it definitely made me want to punch him in the face. Okay. Um. Do you want to punch him in the face because he's a heel or because he's one of the worst promos in the company? Uh, I would rather hear yes. Chuck Taylor cut a serious promo than Kenny Omega talk at all. I think I realize why he did not talk for the first year on AEW television. He's not good at it. Yet they've had him on commentary a number of times. Over the last couple of weeks, they've put him on commentary and he's been terrible then too. He's not good. I, I don't think Kenny Omega is very good. Like at a, like talking stuff, like wrestling stuff, like he delivers really impactful, fast offense <laughs> that is impressive as hell. He does some things in the ring. He does some things in the ring that I go, man, that looks like Dynamite Kid. Like he yeah. does things quickly. He snaps off moves. And I go, man, this guy is fucking impressive. But then he does a lot of other garbage that I go, oh, I understand why the WWE never signed this guy. Because he's not really that good. His personality kind of sucks. He can't cut really a, a convincing babyface or heel promo. Early on, I was so excited to see this guy work. And I have liked him less every single time I have ever seen him by at least a little bit. And if you want to make him a heel, then just fucking do it and let me hate the guy. Yeah, the, the passive-aggressive attitude with, uh, with Paige is really old by now. It's not getting old. It is old by now. Just get it over with. Get the, get the complete heel turn over with. And, and, and Paige is a schlub who's pining for Kenny Omega. And drinking whiskey to forget. And it's kind of, I feel so bad that I'm not part of the elite anymore. And I want my tag team back. That dude was ready for a fucking breakout. Now you've got 
Omega being this passive-aggressive douchebag that no one wants to see, and you got the badass cowboy who everyone was behind being a schlubby drunk. How did you fuck that up so bad? Someone could have turned heel out of this, and they found a way for no one to turn heel, and none of it to be interesting. The amount of work that has to go into making none of these people interesting is so much more than making one of them. And it does seem like a lot of work was put into this. And for, yeah, nothing. I don't get it, man. These guys are all like assistant associate presidents or whatever they are. But assistant associate presidents. You know what I I'm like saying. That. But you can keep the AAPs. young you can keep the young bucks. Keep them. Kenny Omega, keep them. Cody. I love Cody. To me, the guy can I'm a mark for Cody, so I can keep him around. <laughs> but the the other three, if I never saw the young bucks appear again in AEW, it would be too soon. If I never saw Kenny Omega at this point, I'd be like, cool. Speaking of the Young Bucks, them watch the the first shot they showed of them watching the tag team match. Matt had his back to the television and was looking over his shoulder. Nick was mostly turned around. He was probably three quarters of the way turned around, looking over his shoulder too. Like, like. Is this supposed to be like a kind of like, oh, let's let's hate them more for that? Well, I, I don't understand it. It was it was WWE Raw watching TV at angles that people don't actually watch them at. They mimic all the terrible things about WWE for some reason and 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 do a bunch of other extra stuff that sucks. Um, so are you saying that they they purposefully did that to make fun of WWE? No, no. I'm saying that they think that that's what wrestling's supposed to look like now. So they just do that. I, I, I don't think they're clever enough or meta enough to, to make that happen. Um, FTR came in for some reason as kind of quasi baby faces. Now they're full on heels. This is the only time where I might buy the fucking Young Bucks as baby faces. Because people have wanted to see this match. And they turned them heel. But they didn't turn Omega heel. And they don't talk about the Elite anymore. And none of that storyline has even progressed whatsoever. The last time we saw them all together, Omega left with the Bucks in a limo. We've never seen any follow-up oh, from yeah, that. I forgot about that. Never seen any follow-up from that. So now these are just a bunch of uh, some little snot-nosed kids kicking cameramen. And it's the only time that I might... And paying their fines right then and there. Because they're fucking badasses. If they were baby faces because FTR is heels, I might buy it. It might actually be if they let FTR lead it, it could be a good match. Because as much as I don't give a shit about the Young Bucks, they're athletic. I love their tag team tandem maneuvers when they're not too contrived. I think that they can work good matches. But this is the only time that it doesn't make sense to turn them heel. And they turn them heel. And they're not even heels. And they're not even doing anything. I don't care about Alex Marvez. You can kick Alex Marvez in the face every week. For all I care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Unnamed cameraman number four. Kick him too. 
I don't care about you. You're not superstars. They're just not. Yeah. They're just people on the show who look like average-sized teenagers. Not impressive. Go away. <laughs> average-sized teenagers. That could be a team name in uh, wrestling. I'm for it. Um, anything else from uh, this show? Uh, it's, I, it's been a little bit longer of a show than normal, and I'm proud of myself because I wanted to talk so much more about some of these things and go on longer rants, and you didn't really pull me back as much, but I saw it on your face. There was a judging <laughs> tone that I saw on you. It was like, Kevin, eh, calm down a little bit. So I give you credit for that. So we only went an hour and a couple minutes. Thank me? Good for you, Mike. I'm you're, glad you're gonna, that my you're, inner... you're going to be a great parent. Let's put it that way, because that judging look will be will be cutting to a young mind. Glad glad that I have that going for me, and I've apparently been inadvertently working on it for decades. <laughs> okay, uh, it's a whole conversation in and of itself. Uh, uh well, uh. Any, anything else that you want to add in general? Not just about Dynamite. Match of the year candidate at NXT TakeOver. That's what I'm I like gonna about watch, I'm, pro wrestling. I'm going to watch it in the next couple days. That's what I like about pro wrestling. When people may talk to me and say, whoa, you complain about all this stuff all the time. What do you want? That. I want that. I want more of that. Not every match needs to be that. But I want more of that. Strip it down. Don't work so hard. Don't overcomplicate. Don't insult my intelligence. Just give me a fucking good story. Yeah. All right. Well, on that, thank you, everyone, once again for joining us. We'll be back next week talking about uh, NXT, I think is what we'll be watching next. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the meantime... Thank you for joining us. Check out the podcast on all of your podcast apps and such. For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good wrestling.